This is the Iowa State Athletics Sidecast. This Sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Visit any Van Wall location today to test drive the full lineup of John Deere compact utility tractors with the power and versatility to conquer anything this season. I'm John Walters. Today's Sidecast is a visit with former Iowa State quarterback Wayne Stanley. Mike Green of the Letter Winners Club sat down with Wayne as part of our celebration of Black History Month. Stanley was co-captain and starting quarterback for the 1976 Cyclone team, which finished 8-3 and ranked 19th nationally. This sidecast is provided to you by the Iowa State Letter Winners Club, bridging the gap between legend and legacy by engaging in our past to invest in our future. We hope you'll enjoy this visit with Wayne Stanley. Well, welcome to our latest sidecast, and we have a awesome guest today in Wayne Stanley, who was an Iowa State quarterback from 1972 to 1976. And Wayne, who was from Bell Glade, Florida, got to Iowa State, was recruited by Johnny Majors and then played for Earl Bruce. And in 1976, he was captain of that team that was considered one of the best in school history. That team in 1976 broke virtually all scoring records and total offense records and went eight and three and was ranked at the end of the year. And Let's start at the beginning, Wayne. You know, when you were getting recruited to Iowa State, that was still Johnny Majors, right? That was Johnny Majors for one year, yeah. One season, at least. He left yeah. in the spring of my freshman year. What was that recruitment like? Did he, right away, when he was looking at you, tell you that he wanted you to play quarterback? Or were there other schools that were trying to have you play different positions? Or did you always know that you wanted to come in to be a quarterback? They came around when I was a sophomore. At the end of my sophomore year, they were looking at a couple of other players, Lamar Powell and uh, James Benjamin. One was James Benjamin was a running back. Lamar Powell was a, a great offensive lineman. And um, they didn't have the grades, so they had to drop off of them. But when the coach came in, Coach Avizano yep. and uh, Coach Ray Green came in looking at players. They watched our film, and um, they – told my coach, they said, hey, I like this quarterback. And of course, I was just a sophomore. So coach said, you're going to have to wait a little while. <laughs> yeah. And they said, well, we'll be back in two years and, and we'd like to have him play quarterback for us. We'll give him a shot for sure. Yeah. And after that, all the other schools that came around really were mostly interested in me as a wide receiver or defensive back. So obviously I wasn't interested in them. And so that's why I ended up in Iowa State. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand at that time how much Iowa State was recruiting in Florida. And they were getting a lot of players, a lot of really good players like yourself were coming out of Florida. And yeah. did it help at that time, Wayne, that, you know, the University of Miami probably hadn't been established like they are today. And, and you know, Florida State wasn't like it is today. Did that kind of help with guys from the state of Florida, you know, have a chance to get out of there and go play at other schools? Johnny Majors was a little ahead of his time <laughs> and uh, and he needed some athletes, you know, got a lot of big guys out there in Iowa, <laughs> but not a lot of skilled players at the level that he needed to beat um, Nebraska and Oklahoma, you know, yeah. and so he was from the South and he knew about Florida and, but he didn't know about Belgrade. Okay, most of the guys that came down, they they w went to the larger cities like uh, Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, and Miami. Mm -hmm. 
But Ray Green had coached in my conference prior to him coming to Iowa State. So he knew about Bell Glade and the, the gold mine that was out there. Yeah. And uh, so he came out there and... Uh, Ever since that point, they've been recruiting Belgrade. Uh, San Antonio Holmes is one. Fred yeah. Taylor, Reed L. Anthony at the University of Florida. Yeah. And uh, just a host of guys. From Pittsburgh, Johnny Majors left. Iowa State went to Pittsburgh. And he, uh, Ricky Jackson, played for him, who's a Hall of Famer now. San Antonio Holmes will probably be a Hall of Famer. He was yeah. my cousin. Uh, that was just um, a bunch of guys came out of there, and all the schools around the country knew about Belgrade after that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they did a, wrote a book on us called Muck City about our athletic program down there in Belgrade. Yep. There's some great names you just mentioned there. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of Coach Majors, you know, you obviously only played with uh, for Coach Majors one year. What was he like as a coach? And were you shocked? that he left after that season, that one season where you played with him, or did you kind of see that coming? I didn't see it coming at all. You know, being a freshman and all, <laughs> I came out there to play for Johnny Major because I liked his offense. I liked who he was and um, really liked his uh, staff a lot. Joe Avizano was another one. He was an offensive line coach. He came to see me a bunch while I was down there over those two years before I signed. Johnny Majors was awesome. He, his, he threw the ball. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I did in high school. Ran a similar type of offense. And uh, he was progressive in, in football. I was excited about him playing for him. I watched George Amundsen as a freshman sitting on the bench. I played sparingly my freshman year uh, whenever we were beating someone pretty bad. But uh, Johnny Majors was my guy. And losing him was traumatic for me. Earl Bruce was totally different personality-wise, ran a different type of offense. He wanted to run the Woody Hayes offense, mm -hmm. three yards in a cloud of dust, and that <laughs> didn't include the quarterback yeah. except for taking the snap and handing it off. That was why. I, it took me a while to adjust to uh, Coach Bruce. He brought in a couple different quarterback coaches, but Tom Lichtenberg was the one that he showed me and taught me how to be the leader that I became there at Iowa State and how to prepare myself for the game. And he taught me to appreciate Earl Bruce a little bit more, too, because Earl, he had Earl's ear. <laughs> I think yeah. he had played for Earl in high school or something. But um, he had been around in, in different programs, and uh, he, he convinced Earl to include the passing game a little bit more, take Here. advantage of my, my, my talents. Today's sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are proud to support Iowa's farmers in the field and Iowa State Athletics on the field. Your first two seasons with Coach Bruce, you know, you were obviously one of the primary quarterbacks, along with Buddy Hardman. You know, at that time, there weren't very many black quarterbacks in college football. Iowa State's first black quarterback was a 1968 Obert Tisdale, and yourself and Buddy were probably second and third. What was that like dealing with the negative stereotypes at that time in the 70s of just people in general thinking that there shouldn't be any black quarterbacks? How, how tough was that for you? Well, you know, being young and from a little small town, <laughs> I had experienced that situation in high school. I was doing the forced integration uh, period down in the South, and uh, there was another quarterback. We were nine and one 
the team across town was 10 and 0 and Mark Newman was his name. He was a big six foot five, 195 pound quarterback and throw it really well. And so, so did I. And so the community did not embrace the fact that I was coming from an all black school across town and coming over to their school. So they wanted their guy to start. My team teammates in the community I lived in wanted me to be the quarterback. And so there was a lot of, um, <laughs> well, they were disgruntled about that. The fact that, you know, they, they were just, they didn't know whether I was going to get the opportunity, but I did. We shared the role. Yep. So I, I wasn't opposed to sharing the role there at Iowa State. But um, you speak about the race thing. That was one of the reasons why I came to Iowa State. They were a little bit more progressive. Johnny Majors mm -hmm. were a little bit more was a little bit more uh, progressive in in that respect. I never really experienced any negativity about me being there as a quarterback. Now, I'm not saying that it didn't happen. It just didn't happen in my presence. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and when they promised me and shot to play quarterback at Iowa State, they lived up to it. And when I got my opportunities to play, I showed them what I was capable of doing. And, and so everybody was pretty much on board with it. So, so heading into 1975, Wayne, you got hurt. Was that prior to the season? 1975, I got hurt in two days. Okay. Prior to the season. And, and that's when they decided to redshirt me. And, and uh, Buddy Hardeman, Tom Mason, they had recruited yep. uh, Tom Mason from junior college. And I guess he had set records and stuff where he came from. And uh, they figured, I think we can do this. We'll give Wayne another another year to develop, sit back and take a look at what, what's going on while he healed. And uh, these guys will carry us, I'm hoping, because they, they, had, they had high hopes for both of those quarterbacks. And it didn't work out so well. But what did work out was I got to sit back and see what we had there. We had many players, a lot of talent. But what we were not is we were not a good team. There was friction among mm -hmm. the team. The white guys, the black guys, the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen, they were all fragmented. And what I needed to do, and I, I noticed this when I was sitting out, what I needed to do was come in and be, and lead these guys. Because I'd been in a successful program before. You can have a lot of great athletes, but if you're not a team, if you don't respect each other, admire each other, and hold each other accountable, and work hard together and be able to appreciate all of that hard work when it comes together. And now the coaching staff had to be the ones to actually mold it. We had a great coaching staff. Coach Bruce would have won everywhere he'd been. Jim Williams, uh, Mark Williams' father, came in from Dowling. He'd been most successful coach, I guess, high school coach in Iowa. And uh, we just had a really good staff, but the team, was fragmented. We had the Johnny Majors guys, and they were a problem. They didn't like Earl Bruce, and neither did I. Yeah. At first, I didn't like that. He wanted to be like Woody Hayes, and Woody Hayes was an old school guy, and he 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 put his hands on players and stuff like that. 
we didn't appreciate that. And uh, it took us a while to adjust. It took him a while to adjust. And once we did, it all came together and we were successful. Well, so uh, you being out that year, Wayne, was probably a blessing. I grew up a lot. I learned a lot, you know, and I learned Earl Bruce's system and saw basically the good in it. Yeah. But I also saw things that we could do better. And yeah. so I had a talk with Earl about that that summer. I walked into his office because I was really disgruntled and, and uh, wanted to see him leave, <laughs> basically. But I walked into his office with a list of list of people's signatures that one was like me, wanted to see him go. But I never got to present those to him because he asked me, I said, Coach, I'd like to talk with you about some things. And he said, well, let's talk, Stanley. <laughs> I sat down and we started talking. I told him the things that I wanted to see change, you know, that would make us better. And he agreed with me on all, all, all of the things that I had to mention to him. And um, he put it together that summer. He provided, provided the uh, outlet for us to do all of these things. We uh, stayed in school that summer. One of the first schools where we started all of the players staying in town. He found us jobs. Some of us went to school. And uh, we lived together. We ate together. We practiced together. We just started a whole new system there and i was stating it worked for us in yeah. a big way and what people may not know was the incredible amount of pressure on coach bruce at that time because his first three years went four and seven four and seven four and seven a lot of people wanted him to go didn't they yes including us yeah <laughs> yeah but just you being a co-captain heading into 76 you're you're a fifth year senior and all those things you did behind the scenes, you know, the year before in the summer really sets you up for unbelievable accomplishments in 76. And how much was the team ready for that year? Was there something special that you guys knew, you know, what was coming going into that year? First of all, I gained a, a new respect for Earl that I didn't have before for his system and all yep. of that. And I was the senior on the team. I was fifth year. And the guys were looking for me to lead them. I wasn't captain yet, but I played the leadership role because I basically, whenever those young guys would have problems adjusting to the system or school or socially, mm -hmm. they all came to me. They looked up to me. And I eventually became the captain, but I wasn't then. I was just playing the role. Uh, along with Maynard Stenderwood and Greenwood and Tony Hawkins, who eventually became captains, co-captains. But leading into the season, because we had established ourselves as a team all summer long, we ate together, we we lived together, we we just practiced together, we lift weights together, we did every socialized off the field together, and uh, we became a family somewhat, and and, and uh, it was fun. The whole thing was fun now. Yeah. Before, you know, guys would drag into the weight room, you know, they'd get their thing done. They couldn't wait to get out of there and go do whatever they had to do, you know. But it wasn't that way that summer. Yeah. So we knew something had changed because of all the things that we did together, working together and becoming a family and, and knowing that we could hold each other accountable because we know we were prepared. That was the difference. We knew we had what it took to be 
a winning football team as far as talent and everything. But uh, we gained a newfound respect for Coach Bruce. He made it all happen for us that summer. And yeah. so we knew we could count on him as well. That was what made us the team that we became. Want quality sportswear and accessories that your employees and clients will love and actually wear? Look no further than the premium styles of Authentic Brand. Insist on the Authentic Brand label from your company's supplier or visit Authentic-Brand.com to get started. There's so much camaraderie on that team because I've I've, yeah. I've met a lot of you oh, and that's what's so special. It was, and 50 years later, we're still the same. Heading into that season, there was a major setback because Mike Williams was supposed to be your starting running back, correct? Yeah, and my, he got my roommate. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and he he had a fantastic 1975 season. I think he rushed for over 800 yards, and then yeah. he blew his knee out, right? Yeah. And so you lose your star running back even before the season starts. And obviously, yeah. you probably knew that Dexter Green was going to be good, but but he stepped right in and he Cal kind of Cummins. filled the void. Yeah, Cal yeah, Cummings. Cal, and, Cummings. Cal yeah. Cummings stepped in and filled that void. Didn't fill it like Mike would have. Yeah. But we were a team now. We had more guys. We had players. But we were a team now. See, you can take a team of tremendous athletes and if they're fragmented, a team, a good team will beat them. And that's why Oklahoma came in here that year. They had most talent of any team that I know, you know, assemble at one time. And uh, we almost beat them because yeah. we were a better team. You know, the first three games of that year, Wayne, you guys scored over 40 points. And you could tell there's something was different with this offense, something was different with the team. Coach Bruce obviously changed a lot of his stuff after, the, you know, the talks that you and your teammates had with him. One game is probably special to you was the Air Force game where you threw for four touchdowns and that tied the school record at the time. What do you remember from that game against Air Force? Frankie, <laughs> what I remember the most, what stand out in my mind is how thin the air was and yeah. you couldn't breathe for the whole first half. Yeah, because it was on the road. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were playing at that high altitude. Man, that air is thin. We had heard about it. We went out early so we could get an, adjusted to it, but uh, that wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah it was, that was tough. In that game, we knew we, were, we had much more talent and yeah. that we would probably win, so we weren't worried about that. And the thing we were most worried about, like I said up there, was just being able to breathe. Obviously, you talked about the Oklahoma game, which is a fantastic Oklahoma team that you guys went wire to wire with. Um, unfortunately, a loss, but a huge win was Missouri. And they were ranked seventh in the nation at the time, I believe. And Dexter Green, uh, I like to think it was probably his, like, I'm ready to show the world who I am party because he rushed for like 214 yards. How awesome was that for you as quarterback, knowing that you have a running back that talented, and he kind of showcased who he was after that game, didn't he? Yeah, well, they called him money for a reason. <laughs> that was just, that was the nickname that we yep. gave him, because he was, he was a tremendous running back, a tremendous talent. Quickness, think I had never seen before. He could change directions on a dime, and uh, for a small statute athlete, he was very, very strong. When you grabbed his arm, it was like a rock. Yeah. And, uh, but he was, he was talented and very uh, skillful. He could catch the ball. And that was what made him great is that 
They never knew what, when I was faking them. And he made it easier for me and Buddy, too, you know. We'd fake the ball to him, and the linebackers were all, all, already in the backfield. Yeah, so it's yeah. easier to throw the ball. You can see all the lanes. They're very clear. But anyway, Dexter, that day, had a breakout game, I think. He did some things that I guess he had never done before that day. But to think, to talk about that game, that game meant a lot because Missouri had probably their best team. Yeah, they were loaded. Uh, that they've had in a long time. They had had in a long time. They have beat USC, who was ranked in the top five. They beat Ohio State, who was ranked in the top five. And um, after we played Oklahoma who was number three, I think, yeah. at that time. We weren't worried. We knew we were ready. But I'm telling you, after that summer, we knew we had Ron McFarland had gone down. We had Maynard Stenderud step up at nose guard. Tremendous talent. Matter of fact, I'd like to uh, mention the fact that he died this year. And um, Great player. That was hard for me. I love Maynard Stenderud. He was like a brother for over 45 years, and I loved the way he lived his life. He would go to fly over to Africa and repair planes in places where the people didn't have things, you know. And uh, he just devoted his life to helping others with less. So that was just a shout out to my brother. But anyway, yep. we we knew after the Oklahoma game we weren't ready to play anybody in the whole country. Bring them on. We didn't care who it was. Speaking of bringing them on, you had Nebraska coming to town. It was the second to last game of the year. It was actually senior day. And, yeah. you know, the hype of that game is hard to explain to people because if you beat number nine Nebraska, you're tied for first in the Big Eight with one game to go. And, you know, we'll talk about the game a little later, but what was the whole buildup? Because I've seen so many highlights and video of that game. And I, I can just sense the excitement in Jack Tri Stadium because it really was the first marquee win in that stadium because it was only the second year of its existence. What was the week like preparing for number nine Nebraska? Well, as I recall, they were missing some key people. And like I said, after playing Oklahoma the way we did and should have beat them, we didn't feel like anything on the football field was out of reach for us. We knew that they were missing key a um, few key pieces, defensive end, both of them, I think, were out. And uh, we didn't doubt whether we could beat them at all. So the buildup and the hype was mostly because our fans felt the same way that we did. And if you were there, I'm sure you felt the same way, too. We could beat these guys and uh, bring them on. Well, obviously... You did beat them, and it, yeah. it's one of the biggest wins. And obviously, uh, so many people remember a lot of great plays from that game, but probably the number one is the Luther Blue kickoff return 95 yards. Well, that was magical, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've seen that. the video like 100 times, and it looks like he's going to get tackled. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, he's going to get tackled. And then he just finds a way to go right through the middle, like right up the gut. I have in my TV, my smart TV, a flash drive, with our highlight reel on there. I watch that all the time. I'm sure you do. I'm not tired of watching it yet. That was really so much fun that year. And, you know, we felt so good that if we, one guy went down, we had somebody that could come in and do the job. They talk about how Buddy and I split quarterbacking. It wasn't a split. I was the starting quarterback. I was the captain. 
But we knew that Buddy was just as good. Buddy could come in. He had a different game than mine. He could run. He could throw. He could do it all. Buddy was ahead of his time. He was more of a uh, Lamar Jackson kind of guy, you know, like the Ravens quarterback. We knew we could. We had two deep at all positions, and our uh, performance wouldn't drop off at all if yeah. um, our backups came in. So we could play with anybody. We felt that way and wasn't intimidated by anyone. So, and we were looking forward to playing Ohio State in the Orange Bowl, unfortunately. Buddy had some <laughs> uh, difficult situation because that was the end of the quarter and he was broken mentally and just didn't have the prep, uh, didn't get prepared that, that week uh, like he should. And we didn't play as well. And I think there was a little letdown on the guy because I got dinged in the uh, Nebraska game. Yeah, what type and, of injury did you suffer in that game, Wayne? I, I strained the ligament, medial, okay, so, collateral, lig, medial collateral ligament on the inside. So and, so you uh, knew you weren't going to play that last week against Oklahoma State? Yeah, they much. put me in a stabilizer. They were okay. hoping, but it was it was too bad. So yeah. they put me in a stabilizer, and we were hoping I'd be ready for the Orange Bowl. We just assumed we were going to go down and beat these guys, but it it just it set us back pretty bad when I got hurt. On Football Saturdays, our John Deere run of the game is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Nothing runs like a deer, especially when supported by the team at Van Wall Equipment, the Cyclones John Deere dealer of choice. I finished the season eight and three, Wayne. You know, still one of the best seasons in school history. Back then, obviously in 76, there was only 12 bowl games. Only 24 teams make a bowl. And we were left out despite being ranked in the final AP poll. How tough was that? How much of a sting was that for you and your team? Well, we knew the situation. We knew we had to go down and win that game. And we didn't have the uh, preparation for the game during that week because Buddy was mentally just, I don't know where he was. It was unfortunate, though, that um, we didn't have, we didn't get prepared that week the way we should have. You know, I was out. I was let down there mentally for the guys and, yeah, that was a hard one, hard pill to swallow. Not being, getting a bowl game at all, you know, being in the best conference in the league. That's like uh, in a in the SEC now, if Georgia got left out when they were down number three team in the conference, that was really yeah. tough for us. And I, it still and, is. And obviously it was just a different time and, you know, it would never happen today because there's so many bowl games. And if you're a top 20 team, you're going to a really, really good bowl. So it just was the yeah, kind of. Yeah, you ask me, they got too many bowls. No, yeah. they're not even interesting. <laughs> I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, argue, argue with you on, on that one. Um, now, Wayne, obviously you were done with your eligibility and, you know, finishing up school after that season of 76, but coach Bruce saw something in you. And he asked you to stay on in 1977, um, I believe, as a student coach. Is that what that was in 77? My first year, yeah. Yep. But with, yeah. The, with the guarantee that I would be elevated to or full-time the following yeah. year. The following year, 78, you were a full-time coach, correct? Yes. What was that like transitioning from a player for Coach Bruce and then now being on a staff in 1977-78, two awesome football teams at Iowa State? that made bowl games. What was that like for you to now coach some of your former teammates? Was that tough? It was, uh, 
not difficult for me. I was born to be a football coach. I really felt that way all my life. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go back to my high school and start there. But I got that opportunity to coach at Iowa State. And, of course, uh, matter of fact, I told Coach I'd think about it. <laughs> yeah. Because that job at my high school in Florida, we was we were really prominent in in, uh, in Florida football. And uh, I was looking forward to that and going back and teaching, you know, because most of my idols growing up in my hometown, my role models were teachers. Yep. You know, there wasn't much wealth in my hometown. But one thing they did appreciate was their football. And so that would have been probably on that same level for me to go back and coach. But then to have that opportunity and uh, I actually, I told coach, I'd like to go and give it a shot in the pros first. So I got, I was on as a free agent in Cleveland at wide receiver. They, they promised me they were going to let me play quarterback or, or allow me to give it a shot. And if I didn't make it, they moved me to wide receiver, but I never got a shot at quarterback. So I yep. was pretty dismayed about that. So once I realized I wasn't going to have a shot at that, I gave it everything I had at, at wide receiver. They wanted to keep me. The numbers wasn't right. We had more guys at wide receiver because they were trying to keep me. So uh, they waived me first, and nobody picked me up off waivers. They wanted me to go to Canada, and I didn't want to go to Canada. I said, I already have a job. I'm going back at Iowa State and and, uh, and coach there. Yep. So I got on the plane. <laughs> Boy, I boo-hooed. I cried like a baby. Because uh, that was very hard. I knew then that was the end of my football, you know. Well, playing football. Sure. I knew I was going back to coach, but I loved playing the game. But uh, coaching, coaching those guys, I've been doing it for like two years already anyway. Yeah. <laughs> all the yeah. guys, the younger guys, you sure. know, they all looked up to me because I was a year older. And back then, a fifth-year guy was like an old man, you know, to the freshman coming in. So they all looked up to me when they had problems, social problems, football problems, academic problems. And, you know, you, you're working with them. And that was what coaching was. You had to do all of those things and do them well. And that's why Coach hired me, because he knew that I was already doing it. And matter of fact, our uh, JV team that year, I coached with them with a guy named John Fritz, Marty Sargent. He's a associate athletic director down at uh, Oklahoma State right now. Yep. Scott Johnson. These were guys. But John Fritz and I, we were like the head coaches of the team. And uh, we were very successful. We beat up on Nebraska and several other schools that year. Yeah. So I was ready. So after the 78 season, it seemed like everything was going great for Iowa State, you know, back-to-back -back bowl games, three straight eight-win seasons. And then all of a sudden, the punch heard around the world happened, you know, with Woody Hayes in the bowl game with Ohio State. Yeah. When that happened, Wayne, did you did you have a sense that Ohio State was going to reach out to Coach Bruce? Well, I was with him down in Miami recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when we heard about it, a matter of fact, Lou, Lou McCullough, now I can say that now, he's deceased. Lou McCullough called him and asked him if he wanted that job. Oh, really? Yeah, and he said, I can make a phone call for you to help you out. Yeah, because Lou McCullough was an Ohio State guy, too. People forget that, right? Yeah, they yep. coached together yep. previously. Yep. At, at uh, matter of fact, on the National 68 National Championship team that was so highly regarded at Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, with Jack Tatum. Jack Tatum. Burn, was, Jim Odom. Yep. All of those guys, man, was on that team. 
And uh, yeah, they coached together and were best of friends. Lou knew that Earl had told him when he came there, the only job he would leave Iowa State for was Ohio State. Matter of fact, his first meeting with us at Iowa State, he was in the middle of his speech, you know, he was trying to pump us up and telling us how good we were going to be. And he said, here at Ohio State. <laughs> and we all looked at him. Like, coach, this is Iowa State. <laughs> and uh, he was embarrassed, to say the yeah. least. But uh, we got past all of that. Iowa State was great for me. It was so well-received out there. I loved those people. They judged me on the content of my character, not because of my color. I never felt that there. You know, they were progressive. And Jack Trice was there way back before it was popular, yeah. you know, or before Blacks were having any opportunity to play play in the major leagues. And uh, I would do it again if I had that. Yeah. I had the opportunity, for yeah. sure. I would well, state go Cyclones. Well, we're obviously very happy that you chose Iowa State, Wayne. And, well, that's the beauty of the Letter Winners Club. You know, we're here to help help former athletes reconnect with their friends and teammates. And I'm, I'm just so glad that you – and your team has utilized that. Um, Wayne, thanks so much for taking the time for, for talking to us. It's been a pleasure, and uh, we wish you all the luck, and we know that you're always rooting for Iowa State. Yeah. Oh, and another thing I want to say real quick, Mike, and I appreciate you inviting me on here, but my son, Demetrius, the one we talked about, is struggling right now, and, mm -hmm. and, and if we don't get a miracle, and he's not going to be with us very long, so... I would uh, like for all our Cyclone family members out there to say a prayer for my son. You got it, Wayne. You got it. Thank you, Mike. Yep, thanks, Wayne. Today's Sidecast was brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Stop by one of their locations and learn how to farm better, work smarter, and play harder when you run with Van Wall and John Deere. Thanks for listening.